Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Nahum Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to the From Entrepreneur. I have with me today a live interview with Daniel Geffen, the founder of Jet Virtual. Uh, Daniel just made Aliyah about three, four months ago from England, correct? Yeah, correct. And uh, is now living in the beautiful city of Ramat Beit Shemesh. And uh, he has a fantastic story. I just got to know him a little bit. And I love what he's doing with Jet Virtual. And uh, here he is to tell us all about it. So, uh, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So what can you tell us about Jet Virtual? What, what is Jet Virtual? Okay, so Jet Virtual, basically what we do is we, we answer phone calls from many different companies. So overflow calls and just uh, small to medium-sized businesses that either want to sound more professional or they don't want to miss an important phone call that uh, could end up losing them business. And we also offer virtual offices around the world. So people who need a virtual office, um, they want to have a more prestigious address, gain more trust. Um, they rent out uh, office addresses from us, uh, mailing addresses. Interesting. I mean, obviously, it's a it's a fantastic business. I know a lot of businesses that that uh, uses such services. I've used it myself in the past. So, but the the answering service is just in England. So the answering service is at the moment just in England. So we've got uh, UK customers mainly. Ninety percent of our customer base is UK okay. at the moment. All right. So let's so we're going to delve into uh, your business in a little bit. I just wanted to you know, hear a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up. Obviously, you have a little bit of an accent. You came from England, but I know you live in Los Angeles. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So um, I have a very interesting story. I'm not sure really where to begin. Um, when were you born? I was born in the UK. <laughs> That's a good start. I was born in the UK. I ended up uh, basically doing not much for the first 18 years of my life. <laughs> Messing around in school. I ended up going to yeshiva for five years by mistake. Which yeshiva? Um, I went to Or Samer. Very nice. In Yerushalayim. What do you mean by mistake? How do you so, get tapped on the shoulder at the Kotel? Or? Well, no. It was, it was more, I was working with um, mentally handicapped children. Oh, wow. That was uh, when I was 18 years old. I was tired of going to school. I, I didn't have the, head, the, the, the zitz flash to sit and learn anymore. And um, so I went, I took a job uh, in, a, in a home for mentally handicapped children. And one of the people that worked there, they had just come back from a trip in Israel. They, they went to Aish and he, he wasn't religious before he left. And then he came back and suddenly he had sitters hanging out and he was just filled with joy and simcha. And it, it, it was so contagious that I said to him, you know, why are you so happy? I, I was like an 18 year old, you know, kind of depressed a bit. You grew you know. up from? Or? I grew up very, yeah, from, I grew up in Stanford Hill. Wow. So it's very, you know, Hasidish uh, neighborhood. But I felt very like burnt out. Uh, I didn't feel any meaning in my life at the time. And this guy, his name was Scott. And, Anyway, so... Is his name Simcha now? Probably. <laughs> probably. I actually bumped into him a couple of weeks ago in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Oh, wow. That's funny. He's actually funny. living here. This is now... I haven't seen him. Before I met him, I hadn't seen him in about, what, 15 years plus? Wow. So he, he inspired He's you. He's the and... one that inspired me to go. And I only met him a couple of weeks ago for, this, for the first time. After. That's incredible. And I had, he had no idea what impact he had on me. No uh, you told him, I assume. I told him. I said, you know, you've changed. You changed my life. You don't. You don't realize it, but just because of your the happiness, the the joy that you showed, and and it was so contagious. I wanted it, and so I asked him why he was so happy, and he said, uh, I found I found uh, you know a, a place called Eshatara in Yerushalayim, and uh, I found the, I found the meaning of life. And I started learning Torah and uh, I feel amazing. And, and I just kept asking him, but like, really, like, really, you're happy because you went to Yeshiva? Like, I, I always thought Yeshiva was kind of, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to go. Anyway, so he, he persuaded me to go there for a month. And so I went for a month and I ended up in Orsamech by chance. And uh, one month turned into five years. Wow. And that was, that, that's, that's how I ended up there. Beautiful. Yeah. So then after, so you were in Israel for five years, learning oh, Orsameach. I was in Israel five years, Orsameach. I then, I wanted to go into Kirov. It was just, uh, it's part of my personality. So we talk about, are you an entrepreneur? You know, what, what makes an entrepreneur? So for me, I never really worked in my life until I left Yeshiva. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was I was lazy growing up, and uh, but I always was very creative. I always wanted to create, to do. And so when I dated my wife, my my wife now. So she's from California and I dated her in Israel 
but she was only here for two weeks, so she had to fly back to California. Wait a second. So when you're in Orsameach, they set you up with a girl, or you? Uh, I went to a shachan. So this is after five years of studying there, right. learning in yeshiva. I then went to a shachan. And, and the shachan set you up with someone with, from Los Angeles yeah. who was only there for two weeks. Okay, so the situation <laughs> is my wife is is probably a better salesperson than I am, and that's very hard to say because I'm a very good salesman. <laughs> but she is really good. Uh, I, I keep telling her she's got to start her own business because she'll, she'll, you know, she'll do really well. Um, she does. She has three children. That's a business. That's a, and a husband. Yeah, and, and <laughs> four children. <laughs> really good. Yeah. So, um, so basically, she, she persuaded the shachan to let... to, to she says, I'm not leaving um, Israel until, until you set me up with a boy. Huh. <laughs> so, she, so, she, so the said, okay, fine. Um, and so we ended up dating for two weeks. She had to go back and I, you know, I need to make a decision. So I ended up going, booking a flight and to going, Los Angeles. going to Los Angeles. Amazing. And I just, Where do you stay? Like what? You just like so literally because you're from England. You grew up in England. You're in correct. Israel for five years. Then all of a sudden, you book a flight to Los Angeles. Correct. It's a different world, my friend. Absolutely, completely <laughs> different world. I felt like I was in Disneyland. <laughs> literally, so, literally in Disneyland. I mean, I was like, wow, palm trees, blue skies. Like <laughs> I could, I could do this. Right. So I ended up staying at random people's houses until I overstayed my welcome. Right. And then I moved on and went to someone else's house. <laughs> I. Okay, I guess. This is interesting because I used sales tactic to get married. Ooh. Yeah. Do tell. So I, I read a lot of sales books and uh, one of them is called, you know, the, uh, it basically uses reverse psychology. So it's a takeaway close, you know, to basically say, well, look, this product's not going to be available. You only have X amount of time to, to, to buy it at this price. Otherwise, boom, it's going to, it's going to either, it's going to raise, either the price is going to go up or the, the product's not going to be around anymore. Because it's right. going to be taken. So I used that on my wife. My, <laughs> basically, my wife, probably like a lot of women, couldn't make up her mind. Right. She was just, and, and she was at home and she was in her own, you know, in, in living in her area. So she had all the time in the world. Problem is, is I'm some guy from London who's supposed to be in yeshiva in Israel. And I'm in California staying at right. people I don't know. Right. So I needed to, I need you need an answer. You need to know I what's going on. <laughs> so after about uh, six weeks of dating. Wow. Again, six weeks of, of basically just hanging around. Right. I, I can't hang around. So um, I remember it was a Motsi Shabbos and uh, I, I called her up. I said, hey, how was your Shabbos? She said, oh, it was amazing. Yeah, I was with some friends. I said to her, listen, um, Lauren. About the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out. Ooh. Now, my, by the way, my heart was thumping so hard and so fast at this point because this is like I really wanted to marry her. Right. So this is like not a joke, you know, this is not just, oh, you know, do you want to buy this phone? Because it's going to, no, this is my life here, you know. Right. But I don't know, something in me that just, that just sort of said, I have to do this. So I said to her, you know, um, I don't think it's going to work out. I'm going to book a flight back to Israel. So she said, what do you mean? Well, what? We're in the middle of dating. Like, I don't understand what's wrong. I thought, you know, I thought it was going good. I said, it, it's going great. But, I, but the problem is, is that um, I don't want to get uh, more hurt. Like, I feel like the more I go out with you, the more, you know, the, the, the more hurt I'm going to get if it doesn't work out. And I, and I think it's best for both of us, seeing as you haven't come up with a decision. And I think it's best if I just book a flight back to Israel and we just leave it there. Wow. <laughs> oh so my that, gosh. That was a moment of silence. And then she's like, no, 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 we're going to go out one more time. Okay, we're going to go out one more time. We're going to see, we're going to see how it goes. Okay, we're not going to think about, you know, getting engaged or anything but just one more one more date i said okay fine one more date one more date <laughs> all right <laughs> you know so it happened to be that this date was a special date because what i did there, you didn't book a flight i didn't book a flight no no i didn't thank god she didn't call my bluff um i basically ended up by the um, way she knows the story right she's gonna listen to this she podcast does. she knows okay, the story fine. very well she tells it over almost every shower's table and i get very sick of it <laughs> but kids so we ended up getting engaged after that, uh, after that, after that, that date, date, after that date, um, I guess she took it serious. Like, you know, <laughs> she realized, okay. Um, and, uh, and we got, we, we're now actually next week, we're celebrating nine years. Beautiful. Mazel tov. That's yeah. fantastic. And what a celebration. I mean, you moved to Israel just a right. couple of months ago. Just moved to Israel. So, right. so, okay. So first of all, so you lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years. Okay. So then what happened was, this is, this is even crazier. So. <laughs> Well, hold on a second. I just got to tell my audience. We will get to entrepreneurial stuff. Don't worry, but this is fantastic. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, just to the audience, I'm telling you right now, you want to listen to the rest of this because there's a crazy story coming up. Uh, 
about how uh, how I ran my I ran my business from a hotel lobby. Nice. Um, so we'll get to that. Basically, what happened was uh, I, I uh, was invited to someone's house for Shabbos randomly for a Shabbos meal, and it happened to be a Kirov uh, organization, a rabbi of a Kirov organization in California, and I'm not going to mention the name just. Uh, yeah, I I don't know if they would want me to, so I'm going to keep that just uh, okay uh, for anonymity purposes. Yeah, there we go. So what happened was I got invited to this rabbi's house, and he had about twenty people that weren't from at the table. They were involved in college campus Kirov. I was very interested in doing Kirov. It was part of what I wanted to do. So when I went there, I sat at the table, and uh, at the end of the meal, so the rabbi like asked me what I thought about it, and I started giving him a whole bunch of you know, what I thought, you know, about the whole, you know, the whole table. Well, this guy, you know, it seemed like I could see where he's going and, and this, with that. And then this person, you, and he said to me at the end of about half an hour of us talking, he said to me, do you want to come work for me? <laughs> wow. So, and this is my first job offer. Wow. So I said to him. Um, well, and you wanted to get into Kirov. I wanted to get into Kirov, but like, hello, I, I'm, I'm just about, like, to get getting, engaged. about to get engaged. I'm still in yeshiva. I don't know what's going on. Right. So he said, listen, I'll give you $60,000 salary. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so I, I I I kind of almost fell out of my chair because <laughs> I've never had a job in my life. I don't even have a degree, right? Okay. Um, and after a half hour conversation, and, and, and after half an hour conversation, this guy saw that I had something in me that he wanted, and uh, and he was willing to give me sixty thousand dollars just as starting salary. Amazing! It gets more amazing. Yeah. I said no. You said no. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> so the reason why I said the reason why I said no is I really believed I wasn't ready to take the job yet. I was going to get married. I wanted a year. I wanted to live a year. My first year of marriage in Eretz Israel. That's just you know everyone recommended that, and I didn't want you to know, miss out on that. To miss out on that. So I said no. He didn't give up, and he basically told me that can I give you a retainer so that after a year you'll come work for me? And I didn't want to commit, so I said no. Um, but I mean, he was going to pay you for that year that you go to Israel to learn, pay, he was so that pay, after you're done with that year, you'll come back and work for him. Correct. He was going to pay me a certain amount, not a lot. And you said no to that also. I said no to that because I didn't want to be tied down. I'm so happy you said yes to this interview. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the crazy part. A year, about a year, no, about nine months. So you went to Israel then? I went back to Israel. I got married. Got married in Los Angeles? In Los, uh, no, I got married in Israel. Okay. I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, then we, um, what happened was there was... A recruit. They they sent a recruiter out to Israel to go and recruit. They didn't remember about me, I guess, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. They kind of let me go. The recruiter really liked me, <laughs> and he said to me, "You got to work for for this uh, for this uh, you know Kirov organization." So I said, "Well, yeah, I know they offered me already a job." And he said, "I know, but now I'm offering it again." And I said, "Well, I don't know, you know." He said, "Look, what what would it take to get you to come?" And I said, "I don't know." He said, well, how about $80,000? So I thought, hold on a second, $80,000. And this is after living like a cold life for a year in Israel. life, yeah, nine months. And I'm like, uh... And then he meets my wife. And my wife is like a real character. She's amazing. And he's like, okay, I'll tell you what, guys. You both come work for us. I'll get you a $100,000 contract today. You could sign it. Wow. And I'm like, What? <laughs> hundred thousand dollars. They said rabbis don't make money. There's no money in Kirov. Right. Like, that's what everyone's telling me. You want to go into Kirov? Okay, there's no money in Kirov. I'm like, okay. And I signed. Oh, I remember when I told my father-in-law and my father about the... the they said, what? what? <laughs> you? You? <laughs> you, you Six-figure salary? Like, you just came out of yeshiva. I'm like, listen, God works in amazing ways. You know, Shem works in incredible ways. So... uh I, um, next thing I know, I'm flying off to California. They paid for my flights. They paid for all of the, uh, you know, shipping. And I'm living the dream. And wow. I spent a year there. And after a year, we had politics problems with... Uh, the organization? N- with, no, with the the other organization on the campus, headed by a Rabbi Susan. A Rabbi Susan? A Rabbi Susan, who oh. wore a pink yarmulke. Oh, she, she, so Rabbi she, Susan wasn't a big fan of you guys? She wasn't a big fan of us for obvious reasons. And we uh, we ended up not getting along and it didn't work out so after a year 
And also I found that the Kirov world for me, I wasn't, it was too of a, too much of a business. And so I kind of just decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go into business and I'll do Kirov on the side. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going into mortgages and that was 2008. I probably don't need to say much <laughs> more than that. Right. I got <laughs> great time to get great timing there. Absolutely. And I, and I went bust after about four months. Right. I had my first child and I had my first notice from my landlord that I needed to get out. Wow. So I didn't think she was serious. I said, well, what do you mean? I have a child. She says, you haven't paid the rent in two months. And uh, I have no choice. I'm changing the locks. Wow. Yeah. So uh, this is the part of my life where I realized that you can go from six figures to zero pretty quick. And there was a huge lesson in my life for me. I was completely broke. I had no money. I, I was, uh, I, I worked a commission job for four months straight in mortgages and there were no mortgages. It was 2008. I then took about four or five different sales positions and nothing was working. Hmm. I did end up managing to get an interview. Um, I was selling, uh, water purification systems, right. um, for a company and, uh, I actually got uh, a meeting with the uh, buyers of Warner Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah, I actually landed that. And uh, my manager decided, oh my goodness, you've got a, a meeting with the buyers of Warner Brothers? They're like, do you know how many water purification systems they can, you know, I'm coming with you. Ooh. He came with me and basically messed up. He blew the deal. He blew the deal. Because you see, the thing is, is that there were two ways to sell this machine. It was basically not, you know, those usual, you know, those plastic uh, water bottle dispensers yeah sure okay so, so they ate in and yeah so, so those are like really bad for you okay apparently why was it a plastic the plastic's really bad because of the heat and right. that can cause things like cancer and stuff like that right and also when you're pressing the the nozzle like the where you dispense the water out of mm -hmm. so a lot of people who haven't washed their hands or they sneezed or whatever they're touching that area and you're touching drinking you're that drinking water. the water that's coming right yeah leanest to say so so that was one that's one part of the pitch. The other part of the pitch was actually it was cheaper because instead of having uh, to replace these plastic bottles, you just plugged it, this machine into a, uh, a faucet and it filtered the water. So in the long run, you were saving a lot of money. Right. And you don't have to schlep and exactly. storage of the big bottles and stuff. A hundred percent. So there's a lot of... So now, I, 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 for, for me, I, I realized that when you're talking to someone, you've got to find out what is this person's reason for wanting this product. You know, because if you just go in and try and sell the, the features of the product without knowing what the person is interested in, what, what, what moves the person emotionally, what, what gets the person, what triggers him, then you could be selling the completely the wrong feature and you've lost the deal. Right. So with Warner Brothers, I knew that I was, that when I spoke to the, there was the woman buyer, she was very into the green and ecosystem. And so my pitch to her was all about, the plastic bottles that are being thrown into the river, into the, into, the, into the ocean, and it's polluting our land, polluting our world. And that's what she wanted. That was music to her ears. Right. And even if it would have been more expensive, she would have done anything to replace this, uh, you know. Travesty to, you know, the exact, world. Exactly, exactly. That was my pitch to her, and that's how. I, this guy, the manager, comes in completely blind, doesn't even know, you know, and he's telling her about how, oh, you know, you could save this much money and this much money. That's not what, that wasn't the selling point. That wasn't what she wanted to hear. And the deal ended up going sour. It didn't work out. Wow, what a lesson. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, uh, so in the end, I ended up having no choice uh, but to move into my in-law's house. And that didn't work very well for our marriage. No, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't fun. <laughs> that wasn't fun. Uh, so it lasted three weeks. <laughs> three then, whole weeks. Then you got a, like a note, eviction notice. <laughs> I, I, I gave my resignation. Yeah. Um, so I called up my father in London and he owns a grocery store. And I said, you know, listen, I'm, it's not working out, you know. So he said, look, come, I'll give you a job in my grocery shop. So we flew back, we flew to London and, uh, it was, it was terrible because, you know, I went from living on a six figure salary in a beautiful California, sunny California, driving a brand new car, living in a nice Spanish house right. to having to rent a small apartment and basically serve <laughs> milk and eggs, you know? <laughs> so I, 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 uh, yeah, it, it wasn't for me, you know, sitting at a, at a, at a cashier, you know, 
at a, at a cashier and just uh, serving people eggs, milk, and I was going crazy. So after about a year of doing that, I said to my wife, look, you know, I'm really not happy. And she said, you know what, I'm behind you 100%, you know, whatever, if you want to go off and, and do something else, you know. So I gave up a... a a very it was a, it was a decent uh wage you know it's because of my father right and it was stable right but uh i had to make a decision because i can either stay serving you know sitting at a cashier you know for my father for the rest of my life and be miserable mm-hmm. or i could follow my passion and and see where it takes me so it was amazing ashkacha protest because i was sitting in my house and uh on in, in the local Jewish newspaper, there was an there was like an advert talking about um, a new Jewish hub that opened up to help Jewish entrepreneurs start their business. Beautiful. It was called Trainee Trady. It's in the it's in London in the UK. So I thought, oh, amazing. Okay, great. I've got loads of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to meet with uh, with the guy who was in charge of you know uh, interviewing and, and making sure because what they did was they gave you free rent so you could sit in a, an office for free they gave you office space they gave you mentoring you know you could printing material you know the works mm-hmm. so i went there i had about seven different ideas and he's like mm, mm, ah, mm, i'm not sure actually one of them i'm telling you I, I, it would have gone really, now that I think about it today, it would have done really well. But anyway, um, <laughs> he actually gave me this idea to, he says, you know, there's this, there's, there's this virtual office thing that, um, I always thought of, of, you know, that there's a market for it and no one, you know, there's not a lot of people doing it. So I said, it sounds like a great idea. And he said, you know, I've told a lot of people this idea and no one's actually done it. So why don't you just, uh, why don't you just tell our, um, listeners what is, uh, why would a company or a business want a virtual office space or virtual uh, phone number? Okay, so the idea is is that if you're starting up, it, it doesn't really matter what it is that you're offering. The last thing you want is for people to go on your website and either there's no address, which means there's, there's no trust. Like I don't, if I don't know where you're based, how do I know who you are, what you are? And then, uh, but if you put your home address, that's like really unprofessional, you know, right. 13 Maple Drive, you know, <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> you know, so, so the trust factor is huge. Plus you can look these things up now on Google Maps, you can look up 100%. any address and, exactly. well, that's a nice house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and thirdly, privacy, you know, you don't really want to mix your business with your privacy, you know, you 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 know, you want to put your residential address, right? you know, you might have some crazy uh, client that, uh, <laughs> whatever. So, so for those reasons, people have a virtual address. Um, so instead of having, you know, 13 maple drive you know uh, uh you know apartment b you know you get you know 200 uh wall street you know right. so we actually offer a, an address in wall street we offer an address in mayfair a canary wolf canary wolf is a financial district so if you're in finance I, I think i know the builder of canary wolf yeah oh, the right <laughs> yeah yeah so we actually have an office um so we have a, an address there we have addresses in piccadilly circus which i'm sure a lot sure. of your listeners have heard of and uh so for, for trust factor, it gives you that automatic... Like a higher perceived feeling. value. Yeah, also. higher perceived value, exactly. And then in terms of the telephone number, again, you don't want to be putting your mobile phone. Right. Because you want to look big. You want to look established. You want to build trust. And again, you don't want people having necessarily your mobile phone number. So we give out a virtual number. And again, another thing is, is that someone's calling you up for the first time and you pick up the phone. You know, it kind of just... You know, you kind of look like a, well, oh, this is a one-man band. You know, they Right, the owner's right. picking up the phone or the exactly. CEO. Right. Exactly. So so what we do is we have receptionists who answer the calls in the company name. So it's, hello, uh, ABC, how can I help you? And it sounds very professional. And then she could actually either take a message or she can transfer the call to you. So, oh, you're looking for Mr. Cohen? Hold on one second. Let me just see if he's available. You know, and of course, the client thinks that, you know, you're in the office and the receptionist is just patching the call through to your office. Right. So, of course, she transfers the call and you pick it up on your mobile, which is also great because if you're out on meetings, she can transfer the call to your mobile and you could, you could pick up the, the phone while you're driving or wherever it is. In or fact, you it, could go to, it could go to voicemail also. Um, well, no. So then instead of going to voicemail, what we do is let's say Mr. Cohen's not available. Let's say Mr. Cohen's actually meeting a client. So rather than just saying, uh, telling it to voicemail, which, which we've, done stati- we've done a survey, 80% of people hang up the phone when they hear voicemail. Really? Yeah. We live in a very impatient generation. <laughs> you know, I That's want- so funny. I would never have uh, thought that. Uh, listen, we eat you know, pot noodle soups and uh, we, we like things heated up in a microwave in two minutes. Right. And uh, you know, if I send a WhatsApp message and it doesn't reach you in 
you know, 1.2 seconds, I'm frustrated. <laughs> right. You know, you know, uh, if I'm trying to go on a website and it takes more than two seconds to load, I'm, you're out of there. I'm out of there. So it's the same thing when we're dialing a number and imagine, let's say you, you, you want to call a plumber, right? Now with Google, you've got 10 plumbers numbers in front of you in one page. Right. So if I call up the first number on the page in Google and it goes to voicemail, why should I leave a message and wait for him to call me back? I want a plumber now. Right. So what do I do? I hang up the phone and I call the next plumber on the list. Right. So people don't realize it, but they're losing business because they don't know that the person's called them. You know, they might have a missed call, but that's it. A person, a person could call. But, and, and how many times have you called up a, a person who called you inquiring about a service and you call them up later in the day and they go, oh, sorry, I've already gone with so and so. And you're just like, oh, right. Right. Because that one phone call now costs you, well, uh, how much is uh, the value of a lifetime, the lifetime value of a client? Sure. Sure. Sometimes it's thousands. Sometimes it's tens of thousands. Sure. Because it's not just the services that, you know, it's telling their friends about your service and exactly. uh, So the lifetime value of a client could be huge. And in, in literally one phone call, Right, and That's to give it. that up for trying to save $5 or it, whatever it is. Right, exactly. Well, so it, it could be less than $5. I mean, we charge, um, at the moment, we're charging somewhere around a pound fifty a call. Mm-hmm. So or you can call it around a dollar for $2, whatever it is. So you can, if, you can, if you imagine, for the sake of a $2 phone call, right? what, what the cost could be, it's uh, astronomical. Wow. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, so getting back to, so, so thank you for the explanation because a lot of people yeah. may not be aware of the importance. So, it, uh, you know, something that definitely uh, every entrepreneur should be aware about and having a high perceived value and having these professional addresses and phone numbers. Okay. So let's, uh, so you're, you leave your, your, your wife says, I back you 100%. Uh-huh. You go to this place in London that helps, uh, it was, is a from place? It was like a from, it was a from, um, incubator for startups. Right. And he says, I have this idea for call center. And you said, and he said that there was this idea, and I said, "Great!" And I and I and I went with it. Now the thing is, is that I had no idea how to start a business. <laughs> no idea. I mean, I was in Kirov, you know, I was in yeshiva. I didn't know what I, you know, I, I had no idea. Right. But I knew that I wanted to have my own business. I knew that after working for other people, I couldn't work for people anymore. Like I needed to make up my own hours. I needed to to do what I wanted to do. I, I needed to have my creativity. You know, one of the things that I learned working for my father was that he just. I couldn't be the boss I, and I couldn't. And if I had like a great idea, you know, it, ne- it wasn't necessarily executed because right. I'm not in charge. Right. And so therefore my creativity was, was, was stifled and I felt trapped. And so when I started my business, I had this freedom. I can do whatever I want. Hmm. I can create anything. And I have a natural, you know, knack for, for selling. So put the two and two together. So what happened was is at the beginning, I decided, you know what? You know, I'm going to need some money to, to start this thing. You know, I'm going to need a website. I'm going to need to do marketing. I'm going to need a brochure. I need a whole lot of stuff. Well, you need people picking up the phones. <laughs> well, well, that was me. I was the reception. You were the receptionist. I was the first receptionist. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the crazy thing. With my very limited knowledge, I turned around to this guy and I said to him, do you know what? I want to start this business, but I want an investor. So he happened, the people who founded this, uh, this organization, they were quite wealthy people. And, uh, and I said, you know, how about we do a 50, 50 split and you invest in the business? He said, look, I'll, I'll ask them and see what they say. They, they came back saying, put a business plan together. I didn't know what a business plan was. So I just put together like an Excel spreadsheet thinking, you know, oh, if I get this many clients and I charge this much money, you know, this is how much money we'll make. That's what you sent them. That's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they said, you know, okay, it sounds good. We'll put in 5,000 pounds. How much, were you, how much did you think you needed? I, I had no idea. But to me, you know, <laughs> 5,000 pounds is 5,000 pounds more than I have. Right. So I gave them my 50% of my business for 5,000 pounds. 5,000 pounds. Wow. Yeah. With no buyout clause. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Meaning I didn't stipulate a buyout. I didn't right, know what so buyout You didn't know what it was. Well, you, I was like who was it? And who, made, who was the ultimate decision maker? Me. No, I'm saying you could have, if it's 50-50, were you it's able to? It's 50-50, but like. At the end of the day, you know, if they own 50% of my company, it's not so posh to just do whatever you want. Say, hi, I want it back. No, right. in terms of decisions, they let me make decisions, but I had to report to them every month. Right. I thought they were going to put like also their expertise in nothing. They were like basically silent partners. Uh, I've been through that before. I learned a big, <laughs> I learned a big lesson. I learned a very big lesson. Investors, it's... That's, that's what it's, it's so true. You know, you get, you get these investors and they may have a lot of money and they, mm-hmm. I, I was I, in a, in a, on a investment, one of my companies, uh, I don't want to say which one, but they, they, 
we had investors that sold us the world that, you know, we're so connected and we'll help you do this. They didn't help us with anything. Right. They didn't, they wouldn't, they didn't lift a finger. They just like, yeah. yeah and, and we were, and we had also given up a large part of our company mm-hmm. for their, uh, you know, because, Hey, these guys are connected and they have all these things and they're right. telling us they can do this and that. They didn't do anything. It was such right. a failure. It was such a, whatever. I don't want to. Not only that, but it's the pressure, the pressure as well. So right. not only did they do nothing, I'm working my socks off and every month they want like this, you know, spreadsheet and they want to know what's going on. And it's like, there's all this pressure. And then what do you, you know? And, and they knew that you're, you don't have that experience. I mean, exactly. you, you don't, exactly. you know, you, there's so yeah. many aspects of running your own company and there's so many, uh, you know, besides yeah. the financials and the billing and the collecting and the marketing right. and the sale, like you were great at marketing and sales, right. but you know, there's a lot more to running a business than that. And I guess that they wanted to see those normal, I guess what investors want to see, you know, every month. Wow. So the thing is, what I learned out of that is that sometimes the word investor is very shiny and very like, wow, I got an investor. Ooh. Yeah. And there's another thing I learned as well, just because I want to, I want to speak to the audience here with uh, anyone who's starting a business. You know, the amount of time that I spent thinking up a name for the company, <laughs> it's like for crying out loud. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what the name of the company is called. Right. You know, you could spend literally months just coming up with, oh, I've got to come up with the right name. Right. Because Kleenex means something, right? Right. right? Kleenex, like Coca-Cola. Does that mean anything to anyone? I mean, it, the, the, there's no... All it is just a name, right? It's what Google, eBay, Google, eBay. There's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a name. But for some reason, like I think, oh, I've got to come up with this cool name. It's got to be the best name. And then the logo. Oh my goodness me! (laughs) The amount of time I spent. Should it be this color? Should be that? How many people? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, look at. Oh my goodness! It's a green logo. Ah, I'm not going for that service. No (laughs) way. You know, forget the price. Price is not a problem. The service I don't really care about. But the green logo, I've got. I'm sorry. It's just you know. Yeah. You know, brochures. Do you know how many clients I got? From a brochure? Two? Zero. <laughs> Zero. Do you know how much time and money I spent? spent on the brochure. best brochure there could be in there. And it's still sitting. I've got, I don't know how many brochures still sitting from six years ago. Wow. I started this business six years ago. Business cards. I mean, there's so many things. Listen, we need, we need to communicate. We need to have ways to communicate with clients. But the amount of time sometimes I, I see myself and other people spend on starting out a business. You know, you know how long it takes to start out a business? Sure. Yeah. A day. <laughs> a day. Right. Yeah, that's it. You, you, you have the idea, get the, the domain website, name. Get the domain name. It, it's boom. done. Yeah. But people spend months. Yeah, it's months crazy. Just to get the first client. You haven't even got your first client. You spent $10,000 and, uh, and, and six months. Uh, how do you even know the concept works? Right. You know? So that's another lesson that I learned along the way. Now, so a little bit of Siatish, a lot of Siatish Maya, because what happened was, is my company started to grow. I, I basically, Hounded, pounded the phones. I just pounded the phones. I literally calling people, calling calling companies, calling people, calling people. I remember I was, I I offer a free trial. So I, we, yeah, another lesson I learned along the way was that I, uh, this estate agent, uh, letting agent, what do you call them? Real estate, realtors? Yeah. Yeah. So this realtor said, yeah, I'll take a free trial. So I thought, great, this is my first client, you know, amazing. (laughs) I answered about a thousand calls for this guy. And at the end, I'm like, great. So now you're signing up. He's like, no. <laughs> no, I don't need it. I'm like, what? But I answered a thousand calls this day. And every like every week I would say, So you ready to Oh, I just need a bit longer. Oh, I just need a bit longer. And in the end he didn't even sign up. So wow. I made no money on that. So it's important to know who your clients are, you know, to, to get the right clients. No point having a client who's basically gonna, you know, drain your cop forever and then sure. you don't make any money off them. You are allowed to fire your clients. Exactly. I fired a few clients of mine. Excellent. Trust me. I actually once called up someone who was taking up so much of, of my time. Right. It just wasn't worth, I, I worked out, I, I, you know, I, you know, I, I basically, uh, you know, charge him a pound an hour, you know, because that's how much time it was taking that, that my value is not a pound an hour, you know? Right. So I said to him, Hey, by the way, I, I have this great company that I highly recommend you use. <laughs> yeah, here they are. Here they are. Uh, you know, so what happened was uh, a lot of things happened along the way. Something happened where basically I had a business mentor. And the business mentor really liked what I was doing and he liked the way the, the way that my company was growing. And so he came to me and he said to me, you know, oh, no, no, before that, I got to tell you something else before that. And, and that's a big lesson to learn as well. One of the things that I learned in sales is never give up. Never, ever, ever give up the sale until the person tells you, jump in a lake. But that was <laughs> until the person told me. I mean, me, if he says no, that's not good enough. It's got to be. No, no, no. Even if they say, no, I'm not interested. 
So they go into an automated email and, and you know, and so they, they get an email like once a week or whatever. But I don't call them anymore. Like that's done. Right. But whenever someone says to me, yeah, I'm still thinking about it or, oh, you know, I haven't made up my mind yet. Like anything vague or anything that's not a no, I do not want your services. To me, that's still a yes. Call me tomorrow <laughs> at the same time. And that's exactly what I did. I would call people every single day until either they said yes or they said no. If you say maybe, or if you say, I'll let you know, or I'm thinking about it. No, 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 that's not. I, You're calling back. Wait, I'm calling you back. <laughs> you know, and I had them in my CRM system. Um, Zoho, by the way, if anyone wants to know. Zoho. Great CRM system. It's free. I have about two and a half thousand contacts in Zoho, and it's completely free. I'll link to it on the uh, show yeah, notes. It's a very cool tool. And Anyway, so what happened was, <laughs> this is really funny. So I had one, one guy who inquired about the service. His name was Gary. And I called him up every day for about two weeks because he kept going, yeah, well, yeah, I'll get, I'll fill out the forms. I'll fill, you know, I'll fill right. out the forms. Yeah. And I, I hounded this every day. I call him. One day I call him up and he says to me, Daniel, okay, let me give you a piece of advice, Daniel. Okay. There's a difference between being tenacious and, you know, being, you know, and then, and just, and just, you know, annoying, annoying. <laughs> and, and, you know, you don't have to call me every single day and he gave me a lecture for about 15 minutes about you know you can't you know you sound desperate and da, 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 it's not professional and blah 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 and, okay i just stayed quiet i listened i heard what he had to say i don't know who this guy is right. i have no idea At the end of the 15 minute conversation he says okay i'm sending the forms to you now <laughs> so, <laughs> so in the end right <laughs> now you think that's funny you think that's funny listen to this yeah not only does he become a client of mine after this whole lecture he calls me an hour later. I kid you not. He calls me an hour later. And he says, Daniel? I said, yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about something. Um, I'm a venture capitalist. And <laughs> I really, I really like your style. <laughs> uh, you know, you're very, you're very, what's the word? Um, tenacious. Uh, tenacious. Uh, res uh, res resilient. Like, resilient. You know, when, you, when you go, when you do something over and over again, like, you know, uh, right. determined, you know, you've got a lot of drive and passion. And um, I invest in people. And I'm, I don't know much about the com your company. I know I'm a client. Uh, I don't know, but I'd like to meet up with you and uh, potentially invest in your in your business, in you. That's insane. Yeah, it is insane. Now, so first, it gives you a lecture. <laughs> right, right. What a payoff. Right. <laughs> don't tell me how to do my business. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the crazy thing. I meet with him. How'd you find him? It was just a cold call? It was either a cold call or he had found my website online and mm -hmm. uh, filled out an inquiry form. Okay. Just to be it for a callback and I called him back. He met up with me and he told me, okay, so basically this is who I, this is who I am. I didn't know who he was. He said, I just sold a couple of months ago. I sold out my recruitment agency for 300 million dollars, million pounds. 300 Three, million pounds. 300 million pounds. <laughs> this is a guy you called up every day for two weeks. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> right. You know? And this is a guy, I, I literally called him up on his mobile phone, for, on his cell phone. So um, <laughs> now I'm sitting here, this little schnip, you know, little schnip just started my Just business. out of the grocery store. Just out of the grocery store, you know, wet behind the ears. You know, I had no idea. And here's this guy, huge guy, 300 million pounds, just sold his business. And he's, he wants to invest in me. So I said to him, okay, what, you know, what's, what do you want to offer him? He didn't give me a figure, but he said that I only invest if I can own 70% of the business. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of those. Uh, yeah. You know, I just want to, I want to point out, because I've heard stories like this before, and, uh, you know, I know of them where you have these guys that do very well, they make a lot of money, and then they only want to invest, you know, in things that they take 50%, 60%, 70% of the uh, company, and they don't understand, you know, the seasoned VCs, they understand, but a lot of these angel investors that just have a lot of money, they don't understand that when you take that much of a company away from an entrepreneur, you're taking away their drive and passion. You're taking away what makes them get up in the morning, go through the hardships and put in the 12 hour days. So, um, I can see where this story is, uh, headed, but, uh, <laughs> so yeah. what, what happened? I said, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think at that point I had enough traction in the business and I felt like I was going plus, of course I had these other investors that still own 50% of my company. So that was a whole question of how to deal with that. Right. Um, so I just said, I just said no. So then what happened was like, so you didn't out. even know if he was offering 10,000 pounds or 200,000 pounds. I had no idea. I, I, my guess was it, it wasn't going to be a large amount because, because I was just starting out. So it right. couldn't have been a large amount. But what was amazing was I actually called up my business advisor 
I had a business advisor at the time and I asked him, you know, I said, this guy's offering me 70, he wants 70% of the business. And he said to me, no, don't do it. Don't do it. He puts down the phone. My business advisor puts down the phone. And a couple of hours later, he calls me up and says, you know, Daniel, I've been thinking about it. I want to invest in <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is where the Siata Dishmaya just really comes into play here. That's, this is insane, but yeah. go ahead. First of all, also, I just want to point out, because it's also very important for entrepreneurs, and, and we're learning an incredible amount of lessons from this story so far. You've been dropping a lot of uh, incredible knowledge bombs here with us for us. And, you know, but having a mentor and knowing that you need an advisor and having someone that has more experience than you and going to them and asking the questions and listing them and not just shooting from the gut unless, you know, with when you have that lack of experience. I think that's another incredible lesson that every entrepreneur and everyone getting started with their business should learn. Find a mentor, find someone that has that knowledge and experience and go to them and ask them the questions. 100%. And who knows, maybe they'll invest in you also. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happens is I said to him, okay, you know, what are you, what are you willing to do? You know, what's, he said, look, I'm not going to take 70%. I'm going to take 50%. I think it's fair. We do 50-50. Okay, you know. I said, well, how much money are you going to put in? He said, I'll give you 40,000. Pounds. Pounds. 40,000 pounds. Now, bear in mind that only like a couple of months ago. You got 5,000 pounds got 5, for 50%. 50%. Right. So now it's gone up to 40,000 pounds. So... I was very excited because not only was he going to put in 40,000 pounds, but he's also going to like really be active. Mm-hmm. And that was for me, the, you know, that was, that was big. So I said, yes. So you said yes without discussing with the other owners? No, I said yes, contingent on condition that he would be able to sort out the situation. In other with words, the previous he would have to talk to them and see what they were willing to do. And obviously, you know, we'd have to figure something out. Right. So I said yes on condition to that. So he then spoke to the my my partners uh, with me. We spoke together. And basically, they weren't that excited about being bought out at this stage because they kind of, you know, they wanted to, you know, they wanted to stay 50, you know, 50% partners. But they basically said, look, double the money and we'll, we'll give you our shares. Meaning for 10,000 pounds, 10, they'll give pounds, you 50%. They'll give us back the 50%. Oh, wow. Which I thought was amazing. because, And I think that's fair also. It was, very, it was fair. And honestly, I mean, they're probably kicking themselves today. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, it was, yeah, I think it was fair at the time. And um, they didn't have to do that. Right, you know, they could they, have been. They could have. They could. They could have held. But they were from, and uh, they they were again. Remember that they they had started this this hub to help people. Right. So, so they were in the business in of helping for, people and helping yeah. entrepreneurs. I love guys like that. I yeah. love. That's what I'm talking. about. That's what makes this world goes around. That's what right. Claudius World needs more of. These type of entrepreneurs, these type of investors that look out for their, you know, for the people they invest in and, and help them and really look out for their best interest. Like a lot of these successful people, they've made their money and they have that feeling. Hey, I want to give back. I want to do more. I want to help the next generation of of of. Uh, from entrepreneurs and uh so i love that story that's fantastic right so they let you go so this he so you took the 40 10 went to them yeah and now you're 50 50 again now i'm 50 50 again okay amazing with thirty thousand extra pounds with thirty thousand extra pounds and a guy who's gonna hopefully you know actually do some work for the company fast forward about three months i thought you're gonna say like three years but yeah about about three months and things are moving along the business is growing i did a lot of seo so search engine optimization um i was reaching the top of google we were getting clients every day wow it was going great i I hired a a three receptionists so now i was full operation and um, i actually hired a main receptionist who was absolutely phenomenal she was amazing she basically ran my business she knew every single client she was invoicing the clients she was doing everything i mean at the beginning i was doing everything myself right so the fact that i now had someone who was doing a lot of the work for me it was amazing so i can develop the business um this is where stuff started to to go upside down one day out of the blue my receptionist my head receptionist calls me up and says daniel i'm really sorry to tell you this but i can't work anymore so I'm like, what? What do you? What do you mean? She says, I, I'm suicidal. Oh my gosh! I said, what? What? What do you, what do you mean? Like, what, are you okay? Like, yeah, yeah. My boyfriend broke up with me, and I just been really obviously depressed. Not, not, not a Jewish she girl. Wasn't, she wasn't Jewish, and she, 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 she said, I'm very depressed. And I went to a psychiatrist, and he told me I'm not allowed to work for six months. Oh wow! I'm now. Uh, I don't know what, I'm, what what's going to be like. My business, like my whole. I gave her everything. She had everything. A huge lesson I learned from this is never give away your whole business. Don't rely on one person. Don't let your business rely to be dependent on one employee because people are, you know, uh, things happen unpredictable. In life, right? You know, that, that things can happen and suddenly. And I literally 
went into panic mode. I didn't know how to run the business. Because right, and you can't you can't get upset at her. <laughs> well, look, she's, you know, she's, she's suicidal. She's suicidal. What can I do? Right, and and uh, and then another receptionist called me up and she said she was not feeling well and she couldn't come in that day. So I ended up that day having to like answer the calls and 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 I was like, I, it was crazy. My business was really struggling. The worst part about it was that everything was happening all in one go. My investor, the guy who was my business advisor, calls me up and I told him what happened, whatever it was. I don't want to go too much into detail, okay? but he also had a partner. In other words, he had a partner in all of his ventures that ventures. he was doing. Right. So his partner was also part of this business. And for whatever reason it was, his partner decided that he didn't want to be in the business and he, he didn't want to be in part of this business. He was worried about whatever. I don't know what it, whatever it was, my investor, he basically said to me, Daniel, I'm sorry, but we have to pull out. What does that mean? It means that we want to give you back the shares. And we're going to write it off. Like we just, you know. Wait, that's not a bad thing. It's not a. It's not <laughs> I'm like, wait, we just we decided we're going to give you fifty percent of your company back to you because we just don't want to do this anymore. It's not so much they didn't want to do it anymore, but they had. I don't know. They had a bit of a disagreement. Uh, him and his partner. His partner wasn't one hundred percent for the whole thing to begin with, and they got into a bit, an, a, a bit of an argument. Whatever it was, they ended up basically giving me back the fifty percent of the of the business for nothing. For nothing, they wrote it off. Now the thing is that. In, now I look back and I think that, that was the best thing ever. Oh my gosh! But yeah. at the time I I didn't because I needed I needed them. Like I was really struggling. Uh huh. I'll never forget this. I had a different business mentor at the time, a guy called Gavin Gavin Yuko, a very special person. I was in my apartment. My business was crashing. It was going. It was like basically falling out of the sky. I was I was like completely. I didn't know what to do. Not because of a lack of clients, but because of a lack of. It was being the able fact that it? I couldn't handle what was going on right the, you know i couldn't handle the phone calls you know hiring good staff is it's so difficult i i once put out an ad in the local whatever it was and i had literally 300 applicants in one day wow and i literally started filtering just by name just like okay do they sound english <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know do they sound english and then when i would interview them i wanted to smash my head into a wall because it's like all i want you to do is answer the phone in a professional way right you know I didn't want them answering the phone like, hi. Like, oh yeah. my goodness. Okay, fine. Next. <laughs> like, come on, you know. I hated it. I hated hiring. I hated firing. And I hated managing staff. And here I was in a situation where my best staff were like not reliable anymore. They couldn't, they couldn't come in and I couldn't hire fast enough good people. And I was going to lose my clients. That's what was going to happen. <sighs> I'm sitting on my bed. This is a, 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 what, what do they call a, uh, a moment where a life-changing moment and i said i don't care i'm giving this up i don't i don't want to do this anymore i can't do this anymore i'm telling us to gavin i give up i picked up the phone i called up gavin i said gavin i'm I'm done i can't my business is going to to to, to and i'll never forget this gavin says to me he says to me get up go and do what you've got to do do not give up on this business you got to go and you got to fix this you can do it don't give up and i said but i don't he's like i don't care what you do you're you're a creative guy you have it in you you know what you you know what you need to do to get things sorted out just go and do whatever it takes get it sorted out i got off the phone i felt like okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do this and an idea came to my head that changed my whole business completely it was a crazy crazy idea i thought it was an absolutely crazy i thought there's no way this is gonna work but this is the only option i have i'm gonna call up one of my competitors and i'm gonna outsource my business to them. Wow. Wow. So, it's a great idea. Uh, it's a crazy idea. <laughs> so I ended up calling a bunch of my competitors and I said, hi guys, basically this is what's happening. I have a business doing telephone answering, which is what you do. I'm having trouble with staff problems and this and that, the other, whatever it is. I want to outsource it. What's the best price you can give me per call? I own the client, but I'm going to pay you every month to to take the calls for me. As if I'm paying receptionists, but I'm paying you. You've already got receptionists. Right. So I basically priced it up. I ended up going with the person I trusted the most. It wasn't about the price. I had someone who gave me even a better price. But there was one guy who, when I met him, I said, I could trust this guy with my bank account. Hmm. And that's the guy I want to go into business with. That was three and a half years ago. We still work together. He still handles all of my calls, all of my clients' calls. My business became completely virtual. Literally, I had no, I fired all my staff. I got rid of my office. I went to a hotel that day. I transferred all the 
the lines to this person to this person's office right we obviously worked out a way how it would work we you know technical stuff it took about a month or whatever it was but it worked out i ended up working out of a hotel lobby for a year wow just on your laptop just on my laptop and my phone so all i did was basically i i did marketing and i was in charge of um just basically signing up new deals so I went from managing staff, hiring staff, firing staff, dealing with issues, blah, 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 technical difficulties with phones, dealing with all those things to doing absolutely nothing other than completely focusing on building my business. Who was doing the billing? So the billing is a whole different issue. The billing, I used to do the billing and I dreaded it. Every time it came to the first of the month, my stomach would go into knots. I was so nervous. Why? Why? Two things. First of all, it took two days to do billing. Because I got to about 300 clients right. and to send 300 clients individual invoices takes a long time. You got to go in, you got to see how many phone calls they got. Then you got to create oh, an so it invoice. wasn't an automated system? So it wasn't automated at all uh. at the time. And I hated it because also credit cards decline. <laughs> and then you got to chase up the person. Right. And then you get emotionally involved. And then you end up spending weeks, if not months, chasing a guy for a, a, an invoice for a hundred pounds. Right. And you and I, and I came to the realization, hold on a second. I'm spending so much time chasing up hundred pound, two hundred pound invoices. It's not worth my time. Right. But I, I was so emotionally involved. I was so emotionally affected. That I need to get this money off this guy. How dare this person use my services and not pay me? Right. So I had to emotionally detach myself. That was the, the, the solution. Interesting. And every minute that I was sending out invoices and chasing up payments was time I could be building my business and getting new clients. Right. So I ended up going out and outsourcing that too. Ah, there you go. <laughs> so today, if we fast forward now, you know, I'm now six years running the business. I take five-week vacations. I go to California. I can go at five weeks at a time if I want to. My business runs itself. It's completely automated. There's absolutely nothing I need to do on a day-to-day business for the business to run smoothly. It runs completely smoothly on its own. Wow. The only thing that I'm involved in is still I'm the one that takes new inquiries because I just don't trust anyone with that <laughs> yet. I, I, uh, and that's it. And developing the business, finding new ways to get new clients. And um, there's a book that I read that uh, I'm sure most of you have heard of called The E-Myth sure. by Michael Gerber. Right. And um, it's, it's all about working on your business and not in your business. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. I went from working in my business, having absolutely no time to grow it and to expand it to, to then outsourcing absolutely everything and now i work completely on it and in fact now I'm, I'm looking at getting involved in other ventures so i'm able to now have the time to be able to do that if it wasn't for the fact that my my business is completely virtual i wouldn't have been able to make aliyah so now i'm able to live in eretz Israel. um i'm able to spend time with my family my children i go and play tennis uh in the evenings i could learn in the mornings and i spend a couple of hours you know working on the business at the moment and uh i'm i'm Eternally grateful to, to Hashem for giving me this gift. Uh, it's amazing. Wow. This has been, you know, I'm blown away. This has been an absolute incredible story. Very inspirational. So many lessons, so many things to learn from it. You know, I'm not going to go through any other questions because I think, you know, you just gave us so much just uh, what we heard already. I'm inspired. Uh, it's an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you for joining uh, me on the show. and. Um, You know, uh, I can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliach.